Good evening, brothers and sisters. Let us turn together to 1 Kings 22. We began to preach on this chapter last Sunday evening. And uh, we are still in the same narrative. This narrative ends with a sad note of the tragic end of a man who despised God's infallible word. So let us hear God's word, please. We are going to read this evening, uh, chapter 22, verses 29 through 40. Verses 29 through 40 of chapter 22 of 1 Kings. This is the infallible word of God. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I'll disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded to uh, had commanded that thirty-two captains of his chariots fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, "It is surely the king of Israel." So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore, he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle. For I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until the evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And about sunset, a cry went through the army. Every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died. And was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. And they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood. And the prostitutes washed themselves in it. According to the word of the Lord that he has spoken. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab. And all that he did. And the ivory Every house that he built and all the cities that he built. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers. And Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, how serious it is to hear your word. Lord, in this moment, as we sit here, we pray that you will give us heart, willing to heed your word, willing to receive whatever it is 
a word of encouragement, rebuke that we might receive from you in entire submission. Let this sad note of the life of Ahab be a warning for us. Scare us in a way that we run to the cross of Jesus Christ and be saved. Speak to us this evening. Forgive our sins. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Last Sunday evening we read about this vision from God's throne revealed to Ahab through the prophet Micaiah. We saw this contrast between the earthly throne where man sits and the heavenly throne where God sits. And we were reminded that the decrees that determine the events in history come from God's throne. Whatever happens on earth is determined in heaven, is determined by God himself. After three years of peace between Syria and Israel, the northern kingdom, the king Ahab, wants to expand his territory by regaining the city, a strategic city of Ramoth Gilead. And for that, he asked Jehoshaphat's help. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, a godly king. But he agrees to go into battle with this ungodly king. Ahab was the worst king of the history of Israel. He had his own prophets, and he had his own religion. He led the nation into idolatry. The text set before us two kinds of prophecies. One false with the aim of speaking favorably to the king. And the other prophecy through Micaiah comes, Micaiah is determined to speak only what the Lord says to him. And he prophesies condemnation and doom, disaster against Ahab. But at that point, we are left with a prophecy, but nothing happened yet. Now, what we are going to see in our text is prophecy being fulfilled. We are going to see that the word of God is infallible. The last verse that we read last Sunday was verse 28, where Micaiah calls the attention of people to the surety of God's word. He says in verse 28, Hear all you people. The book of Deuteronomy sets the pattern, the criteria by which people should evaluate, test true prophecy. If a man speaks in the name of the Lord and the word comes to pass, that is the word of the Lord. If it doesn't come to pass, it can't be God's word. Because God's word is infallible. That might be the reason why Micaiah was so confident when he says, well, if this word does not come to pass, then the Lord has not spoken through me because God's word is infallible. So the title of our message this evening is God's infallible word. 
And we are going to divide it in two points. First, prophecy fulfilled. And second, how to respond to true prophecy. First, prophecy fulfilled. God always vindicates his word. Whatever he says, whether it is a threat or a promise, it will come to pass. If God says that he will punish, he will do that. If he says he will bless, he will do that because he's always faithful to his word. This text is about prophecy being fulfilled. The emphasis of the text is on threats, right? God has prophesied disaster concerning the disobedient Ahab. Though Ahab did not obey God's word. He did not hear with an obedient heart that at least got him a little bit anxious, right? He had his false prophets. But it was not the first time that a true prophet prophesied about his death. But he has a plan. That might be just a contingency in his mind, he would think. So, verse 30 says that Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Well, Ahab, God is not a man. God is not a man. Well, midway through our text, it seems like his plan has succeeded. He deceived the Assyrian king. The Syrian king has said to his captains, do not fight small, do not fight great. I want the king of Israel. I want the king of of Israel, but he has failed to that purpose. He has not found the king of Israel. His disguise worked for the Syrian king. He may have thought he succeeded, but you cannot actually hide from God, can you? Can we hide from God? Can we trick him? We learn from this text that God cannot be tricked. God cannot be tricked. There is no hiding from Him. No hiding from His providence. You cannot hide from the all-knowing God. We cannot divert His arrows of justice by disguising ourselves, by trying to hide. Because God's Word is backed up by divine providence. God's word is backed up by divine providence. If you ignore God's word, his providence will find you. Your sins will catch up with you because God's word has said so. The author perhaps ironically calls the act of this unknown, unnamed, Archer, he calls it random. Verse 
in verse 34, we have a change of tone in the narrative. It says, but a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king. It was God's providence that moved that archer to shoot an arrow, apparently with no particular purpose. The Hebrew text says, in its simplicity, that is, with no particular aim. And the arrow finds the wicked Ahab. God's word is infallible. That arrow had the purpose. It was not accident. It had the purpose to fulfill God's word. To fulfill God's word. And his word is infallible. But notice as well that no human device can thwart God's prophecy. No human device can do that. Ahab's royal armor could not protect him. You could think that the armor, if someone has to be protected in that kingdom, it would be the king. He would probably have the best armor, you think. And it might be the case. So Ahab probably thought that on top of hiding himself, well, his armor could protect him. But what happens is that that arrow, God conducts that arrow and it finds a spot in the armor. And it kills the king Ahab. No human device. No human device came toward God's plan. Once he predicts something, that thing will come to pass. Because God's word is infallible. God's word is infallible. But before we move on to the next point, I just would like to remind, to call your attention to this text again, to see that God's word is efficient. It is efficient. Not only it will hit the target, but it will accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. And exactly that. Well, there was no need of a second arrow. No need of a second shot. That arrow found Ahab, and he had a mortal wound. He bled to death. If God wants the sinner dead, he's a dead man. He's a dead woman. God has promised to judge sin. And he will. He will do that. As he has said in his word. Well, God, he judges the world every day. Some things... He judges right in the spot. But others, it might take some time before God judges that. Perhaps it was the case with Ahab, and he thought he's not going to punish him. But he judges, and he will judge all in the last, in the last day. He knows everything. He sees everything. God saw when the dogs licked 
Naboth's blood so that Ahab could have his piece of land. God sees the injustice that is going on in our world. He sees the schemes of men to, to get what they want. But God also sees my sin. He sees my true character. And I cannot pretend to be a good man to God. Because He sees my heart. He sees our hearts. And this is a serious note. It, it is serious. It is serious. God wants us to hear and take the threats seriously so that we might be ready to receive the promises. We need to hear the threats and take it seriously. God's threats against sin so that we might be able, we might be ready to receive the promises. Remember what Jesus says. Fear God. Do not fear man, because God can make perish both body and soul in hell. This word never fails. Ignore it, and it will kill you. But listen to it, and you will live. You will live. The narrative of the life of Ahab shows us that the end of those who oppose God's word is always disastrous. It is always disastrous. You may think, look, there are many preachers out there who say that I am fine, that I can, I can continue to live my life in the way I please because God will accept me the way I am. But that is a lie. And that is a lie because the truth is that God has declared disaster against the impenitent sinner. That is the truth. No matter who you are, Ahab was royalty. But what a sad end. Here, his royal body is being licked by the dogs and found among the prostitutes. It is a sad note. It is a sad note. It is sad. It is sad to know, to admit that our hearts can be so obstinate, so oblivious to God's word, that we despise His warnings, that we despise what He says, and that is for our own heart. Only for our own heart. We, hear, we can hear the word saying, repent, repent, but ignore it. See, we ignore it. Well, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus again says in the gospel of John that whoever believes in him, is not condemned. But if you don't believe, you are condemned already. And the word never fails. So please, please hear God's word. Because invariably, this word is going to be fulfilled. But the way we respond to it 
there is. And this is our second point, how to respond to true prophecy. And we learn that from the life, from the biography of Ahab. Dear, dear brother and sister, dear hearer, don't hear the word of God selectively. Ahab heard only those things that please him. Only those things that affirmed him, his way of living. He liked to hear, go up and triumph. God will bless you. But if it was a rebuke, he refused. He refused. But don't hear. Don't hear God's word also as an act of mere formality. We also see that in our narrative. Well, Ahab heard Micaiah, the true prophet, but that was a mere formality. And we can do that. We can hear God's word just as a mere formality. It's, it's a thing that we always do. So let us hear once again. One, one commentator says that when people hear the word only out of mere formality, that is the time when we should be scared to death. Because the word that we hear, if we do not take it as God's word, it will turn against us. Because the, the word of God is never void. It is never void. Don't hear, don't value the word above the word. It is another thing that we learn from this passage. Don't value the world about the word. The cares of the world and riches choke the word of God. Love for the world can keep us from following God's word. You know what matters the most in your life is how you respond to God's word. This is the most important, most crucial thing in your life. How you hear it is more important than career, accomplishment, than houses that we may acquire. It's more important than degree. It's more important than success. It's more important than anything because you can gain the whole world. But if you don't hear God's word, you lose your undying soul. You lose your undying soul. We see in this text that the value of your life, the, the value of my life, is determined by the value that I give to God's word. The value of my life is determined by the value that I give to God's word. And we see this in this text. Have you noticed how God's word evaluates the accomplishment of the ungodly. The book of Kings does not focus on Ahab's achievements, but on his moral conduct, how he responded to this word. He tried to suffocate it. He tried to, to get rid of it, of the word of God. And that determines the values of his accomplishments. 
he would welcome the word if it said to him, Go up, you will triumph. If it confronted him, he despised it. He tried to suffocate it. He heard sometimes only to, when he heard in his narrative, it was only to please his Christian friend, Jehoshaphat. But he rejected it in his heart. And I think it's very significant that our text does not give much attention to his accomplishments. The Bible just gives us a brief note on verse 39 about his accomplishments. It says, Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, the ivory house that he built and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And this is not an inspired book. It's not the book of First and Second King Chronicles from the Bible. It is just a historical book. Well, Ahab did things that in the eyes of the world could sound remarkable. He built an ivory house, a nice house. He built cities. But these are not worthy of the divine record. God is not interested. God is not interested because God's word is not interested in the accomplishment of those who despise it. God's word is not interested in the accomplishment of those who despise it. We look at the world and we see so much technology. We we see great achievement. Houses very comfortable. Cars that can drive by themselves. Smartphones. These are nice things. These are very good things. Scientists try to to go to the moon. Try to go to other planets. But in God's eyes, it does not really matter. If the world has turned from his world, from his word, and fallen into moral decay. It doesn't matter for him. It doesn't matter. In God's God's eyes, it doesn't matter how much technology a country has, how much the economy is doing well, when people are going in moral decay and in idolatry and in immorality. It does not matter. We must respond to the true prophecy to the word of God, with whole submission, with our whole heart. Jehoshaphat's half-fidelity almost got him killed. It almost got him killed. Instead of trying to identify himself with God, the God who says, be holy, for I am holy, he looks at the ungodly and says to Ahab, I am as you are. I am as you are. Well, that which we sinfully pride causes our fall. When we sinfully pride something, apart from God, of course, it's sinful. That is the cause 
of our fall. Sometimes we identify too much with the world. We admire the world too much. We say to ourselves, I must be a little bit like them if I want to be successful in this world. I must share some of the world's sinful values if I want to succeed in business. I must comply and we give little value to God's word that says, Be holy, for I am holy. But God's word values obedience more than accomplishment. God's word values obedience more than accomplishment. For the scriptures, what counts is what lasts. And what lasts is that which is done according to God's word. What lasts is the work of parents who teach their children the word of God, who teach them to fear the Lord. What lasts is the word of the faithful preacher who preached Christ alone and Him crucified. It doesn't matter if he's going to be ostracized or persecuted because of that. The Word of God values obedience above accomplishment. It is interested in salvation and in the eternal things. If you are interested in information about man's accomplishment, if you are interested and see the progress of men in history. Do that. That's good. You can find that in a library. But what is written here in God's word. What is written here is what can make you wise unto salvation. It is what determines the future of your undying soul. What is written here is about your salvation. It is here that you find the principles to teach your children not only to be successful professionals, but to be disciples of Jesus Christ primarily. Don't ignore true prophecy. The Word of God ignores those who ignore it. The Word of God ignores those who ignore it. Have you noticed Ahab's name so many times is omitted in this text? So many times he's referred to only as the king of Israel, in contrast to Jehoshaphat, whose name is pronounced. His name is not important because he's a man who despises God. He's a man who despises his word. And Jesus said that in the last day, he will say to those who live in lawlessness, who rejects his word, I never knew you. What is your name? I never knew you. We must respond to God's word, to true prophecy, In submission, we must respond by trusting 
in his promises. Because the promises contained in the Bible are as sure as the threats. They are as sure as the threats because they are God's. They are God's. Ahab's name does not matter. The name that matters here is God's name. And it, I think it's significant that the Lord, the name Lord here in the ESV, in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. The covenant name of God. This is the name that is prominent in our text, even in the name of the characters. Even in the name of the characters. Micaiah means who is like Yahweh. Who is like Yahweh? The name of Jehoshaphat is Yahweh. Judges. Ironically, even the name of the false prophet Zedekiah has the covenant name of God. It is Yahweh is righteous. Yahweh is righteous. It is this name that stands out here in our text. It is this name that matters here. It is this name that matters here. And I bring it up because while some people just live a life of willful rebellion against God, even Christians, as we see in our text, sometimes we can not hear God's word and we can be, be beset by unbelief to some degree. And this is why we bring this name up. Jehoshaphat followed the counsel of his ungodly partner against God's prophecy. And that put him in a dangerous position. When we do not hear God's word, even as Christians, and we hear the world, we put ourselves as targets of God's arrow of justice. In verse Verse 32 says, As soon as the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. But verse 33 says, As soon as the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. So what is going on between verse 32 and 33 that share so much similarity. What is happening there? Well, the end of verse 32 says that Jehoshaphat cried out. He cried out. Well, the basic meaning of the word translated as cried in verse 32 is to cry out for help. In time of distress, the verb is almost, almost exclusively used in the Old Testament to describe a cry from a disturbed heart in need of some kind of help. Most frequently, the cry is directed to God. When the Israelites were invaded by the Midianites, 
In the book of Judges chapter 6, they cry out to God using this same word, this same verb. But we do not need to, we do not need to wonder much about it because the parallel text in 2 Chronicles 18 says that Jehoshaphat's cry, which is expressed in the same verb, was followed by God's help. It says, as soon as the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away. That is why we have this turning. In verse 32, they turn to pursue him. And then in verse 33, they turn to the other side, away from him. Because of this cry. This cry was a help. Was a help. It was God's providence again. But this time, showing mercy. Showing mercy. We might get the impression that this whole narrative is only about Ahab. There is so much about him. But as we could notice, this narrative is about Yahweh. Is about the God of the covenant. Yahweh judges, as the name of Jehoshaphat said. But it's Yahweh, the God of the covenant, who is ready to forgive his children. But can sinners who have put themselves in trouble expect to be hurt? And the answer is yes. We can be hurt because someone else has taken God's arrow of justice. Because the spear pierced the side of Jesus. God's arrow found him. So if we are in Christ, God's arrow of justice, God's arrow of justice has found another target. And we are free. Oh, Ahab was so wrong to try to disguise himself. But if we hide ourselves, there is one place to hide, and it is on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not by disguising ourselves. It's not by using some kind of human device that we can escape God's justice. It is at the shadow of the cross that we can hide ourselves. We can cry for mercy. And we will find it because God has promised to forgive repentant sinners. And that is His word. And it is also infallible. It is also infallible. This text, this narrative, is a testimony to this infallibility. In verse, in 1 Kings 20:42, an anonymous prophet says to Ahab, because you have let go 
out of your hand the man whom I devoted to destruction, that is Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. Therefore, your life shall be for his life, and your people for his people. Ahab died. Prophecy fulfilled. In chapter 22, our chapter, verse 17, Micaiah says, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return in peace to his home. In verse 36, 36 of our text, we read, And about sunset, a cry went through the army. Every man to his city and every man to his country. Prophecy fulfilled. In verse 21, in chapter 21, verse 19, Elijah says to Ahab, because he killed Naboth, Have you killed and also taken possession? In the place where the dogs licked, licked up the blood of Ahab, shall the dogs Lick your own blood. And in verse, verses 37 and 38 of our chapter, we read, So the king of Israel died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. And they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood. And the prostitutes washed themselves in it. Note. According to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. Prophecy fulfilled. The infallible word of God. The infallible word of God. This is just a sample of reality. This is just a sample of what happens in a universe every day. God's word makes reality. God spoke the world into existence. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. Is the incarnate word of God. Perhaps the big lesson of this text can be summarized in the words of Micaiah in verse 28. Before our text begin. Here. All you people. Don't hear out of mere formality. Hear with total submission. Do not hear because your friend, you want to satisfy a friend. Do not hear because you want to satisfy your parents. Hear it. Because it is God's word. It's not that letter. It is the living word of God. It is the living word. It determines condemnation of those who do not hear it. But the salvation of those who will hear it. When the word of God is open before us. Something of heaven. Something of heaven is before us. And we should hear. The words, perhaps a good lesson is 
the words of the Savior himself, his own words, he who has ears, let him hear. Let us pray. Oh God, we come with awe before his word. And we confess that many times, Lord, we hear it in unbelief. We undermine the threats against sin. And many times, we do not trust the promises, the promises that you will be with us to the end of the age, that all things work together for good. Lord, we are beset by unbelief so many times. We ask you for your forgiveness. Lord, May we turn to your word. May we hear it as the word of God. May we shape our lives by it. In Christ we pray. Amen. We will continue.